I listen to Bullseye because Jesse always has really good questions. What did John Malkovich wear when he was 20? (laughs) I don't know how to describe it. Bullseye, interviews with creators you love and creators you need to know. From MaximumFun.org and NPR. Happy Friday, everyone, from NPR Music and All Songs Considered. I'm Stephen Thompson. It is New Music Friday, and for August 27th, we've got fantastic new albums by Maddie Diaz, Terrence Blanchard, Trey Burt, Indigo D'Souza, and more. But first, here's the band Churches and their new album, Screen Violence. Final Girl from Screen Violence by the Scottish synth-pop band Churches. This is Churches' fourth album, and it's full of thoughtful but scathing insights on gender, the internet, the entertainment industry, all set against huge hooks. Joining me from Atlanta to talk about Churches is writer Gavin Godfrey. Welcome back, Gavin. What's going on, Stephen? It is great to have you. So Screen Violence is Church's first album since 2018's Love is Dead. Sonically, it picks up where that record left off. The sound is catchy and driving as ever. Hooks for days, but the words of Lauren Mayberry still stand out. Gavin, tell me about Screen Violence. You said it right there. The the words stand out. And I think uh, leading up to the album, Lauren Mayberry talked about uh, this kind of being an escape. Like this whole album is escapism. There's there's instances of, you know, there's there's a crazy world going on around us. There's a dumpster <clears throat> fire everywhere you look. And I think um, the album title itself, it started off as, you know, a concept. They were talking about escaping from the violence you see on screens, but also the violence in reality makes you escape back into screens. So, uh, you know, but as they were making this album, the pandemic hit, and then they actually were confined to screens to to finish the project. And so without, you know, kind of organically or just through kismet, this album became therapy, and it was a way for them to, to, to make sense of all the kind of chaos and confusion that was going around. And Lauren's lyrics really reflect that, just the sense of being overwhelmed and trying to find hope in what seems like just an onslaught of, like, bad news and, and, and bad happenings. Yeah, it's interesting to think about that escapism because like mm-hmm. these lyrics pretty directly address, you know, serious frustrations in her life, in her career, in the world around us. And so the escapism I think comes in that really bright technicolor music which is so driving and 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 hooky and and just just buzzing with energy, but you pick apart those lyrics and it is 
it's really potent. Uh, there's a quote from Lauren Mayberry talking about one of the songs uh, on the record. I feel like I've spent a lot of my life personally and professionally performing the uncomfortable balancing act that is expected of women and it gets more confusing and exhausting the older I get. And you listen to this record and that frustration comes through in these lyrics so powerfully. But at the same time, the music still feels really fresh and vibrant. So it's fresh and vibrant, but it's on top of messages that really make you stop. Right, right. I mean, when you listen to a song like Lullabies, you know, Lauren says, I'm terrified of falling faster and lullabies don't comfort me. So televise the disaster. You know, we're better off inside of a screen sometimes. But as she's saying this, you're like still nodding your head, you know, as you're saying. It still sounds like a summer album as we're even closing out the season. You know, you can still kind of dance to it weirdly, but if you stop and listen to it, you'll probably, you know, kind of find yourself like in the middle of the dance floor and you're crying because it's just, <laughs> um, you know, if you really stop and listen to what she's saying, it's, it's, it's all there, it's laid out and she comes very bare in this. And also um, Martin Doherty, who wrote the song, How Not to Drown, with Robert Smith from The Cure, mm-hmm. you know, before this album came out, he announced about his issues dealing with anxiety and depression and mental illness. And so that theme is, you know, present throughout. But he also made it a point to say that this band and this album and the music they do helped him really find hope um, in really dark times. And I think at the crux of everything, that's what this album is about. Yeah, so therapeutic and still so, so catchy. That is the band Churches. Their new album is called Screen Violence. Gavin, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Let's go next to the singer-songwriter Maddie Diaz. Maddie Diaz's new album is called History of a Feeling. That's Woman in My Heart from the singer-songwriter Maddie Diaz. Maddie Diaz has been floating around for a while now. This is her fifth album in about the last 15 or so years. She's done everything from touring with the Civil Wars to writing songs for other artists. Joining me from Nashville to talk about Maddie Diaz is writer and NPR music contributor Julie Height. Hey, Julie. Hey, Stephen. It is great to have you with us. Julie, I have always thought of Maddie Diaz almost like as kind of like a highly regarded journeyman. I've, I've liked her stuff. I've rarely sought it out, but I have grossly underestimated her because this album is freaking superb. It is phenomenal. But I mean, to be fair, it is quite a different album than she's ever made before. As you mentioned, she's about a decade and a half into her career now. So when she first, you know, started releasing music in the late 2000s, it was that moment, you know, well after the Garden State soundtrack and after all of these primetime dramas like Grey's Anatomy were really (laughs) using a lot of singer-songwriter pop to sound, you know, for their soundtracks behind pivotal scenes. 
And so in a way, you know, I mean, she kind of fit into that and she made a lot of different kinds of singer songwriter pop, sometimes leaning more toward folk or more towards danceable stuff. Um, But it had been, you know, at least half a dozen years since she released an album because she she spent some time really focusing on duos and bands and things like that and even kind of doubting her ability to stand on her own as a singer and songwriter. Uh, When I interviewed her, she told me that she thought she might have written as many as 200 songs in the process of arriving at the 11 that are on this album because she had gone through, you know, some, some big things in her life and not only the disintegration of of a relationship, but of a relationship with someone that she, you know, thought that she might have spent the rest of her life with, who um, she first knew as a man, but in the time that they were together, you know, began transitioning to live as a woman, you know, so it was all of these things and all kinds of career disappointments and a move back across the country from LA back to Nashville, where she presently lives, and then this kind of self-directed songwriting journey of taking up different reflections and feelings and perceptions and moments and then just, I feel like, chiseling at them until, you know, she might write 20 different songs about one idea or one sensation until she got at the ones that she chose for this album. And in some of these songs, she's showing us a whole tangle of emotions and feelings and impressions and the song you played woman in my heart uh, accomplishes that her song nervous i feel oh, like also so good <laughs> yeah i mean it contains multitudes you know and i mean she just tells us so much in these songs i mean she's telling us about longing and avoidance self-delusion and really sharp self-awareness at the same time she's doing that all in one song i mean that's that is what, to me, is so phenomenal about this album. Yep, phenomenal is right. That is History of a Feeling from the singer-songwriter Maddie Diaz. Thanks so much for joining me, Julie. You are so welcome. Let's go next to a terrific new country band called Chapel Heart. Chapel Heart has a new album called The Girls Are Back in Town. Problem, good luck keeping him 
That's You Can Have Him Jolene from the band Chapel Heart. It's the band's second full-length album. Chapel Heart is a family band, the trio of sisters Danica Hart and Devin Hart and their cousin Tree Swindle. They took the name Chapel Heart from a church in their hometown of Poplarville, Mississippi. Joining me to talk about Chapel Heart is my NPR music colleague and dear pal Ann Powers. Hey, Ann. Hey, Stephen. How's it going? It's going great. Anne, you turned me on to this one. Great find. Chapel Heart is getting some attention as part of a new wave of black artists who are finally making headway in the heavily white world of mainstream country music. Anne, tell me about it. I just love this trio. They're, they just have everything. Beautiful harmonies, uh, really amazing songwriting. Uh, Danica Hart is actually an award-winning songwriter and both great wit and a great talent for poignancy. You know, this album goes from the playfulness of what we just heard, an answer song to the Dolly Parton classic Jolene, to songs about women's empowerment and standing up to the boys club and country music, to really old school, like tear in your beer ballads. And I I just love the range that Chapel Heart brings to this record. Yeah, the range is exactly what struck me too. I mean, I think it's interesting how many hard edges come through in this sound. I mean, the song Jesus and Alcohol has ZZ Top's Billy Gibbons uh, in it. Uh, the video <laughs> yeah. for I Will Follow has Jesse James Dupree from Jackal. Uh, in I it. know. Um, the country singer and pro wrestler Mickey James collaborates with them on the song Grown Ass Woman. So you have just these really interesting collaborations that extend beyond what we think of as country music. There's a song, I Will Follow, that kind of meets at the midpoint between country and that kind of stomp and clap folk rock sounds of about a decade ago. Really intriguing record. Well, you know, Stephen, Chapel Heart kind of sharpened its chops on Royal Street in New Orleans, which is a busking capital of America and a place where quite a few artists have caught the ear of uh, larger audiences in the music industry. So I think that's part of it. You know, when you're a busker, you have to learn to do everything. You have to learn to make jokes. You have to learn to sing beautifully. You have to learn to just capture uh, the attention of, of people who, who are going off to dinner or to a bar or something. Right. I think that's one thing about this group, and it really, really works. Yeah, that's Chapel Heart. Their new album is called The Girls Are Back in Town. And I'm going to ask you to stick around for one more album, if that's okay. Let's go next to Trey Burt. Folk singer Trey Burt has a new album. It's called You. Yeah, You. You can see the ring of darkness covering up the light, but to see it is to admit that it's just passing by My friend in New York City She calls me time and time And I tell her made up stories But never tell her lies And the weight of my heart It swings me left to right Like a wrecking ball on a six foot chain Forever all my life It only goes to show You can follow me down to the end of my path But you still gotta get through me That's Sweet Misery from Trey Burt and his new album. It's called You, 
yeah, you, complete with the commas. Like Chapel Heart, Trey Burt is a black musician working in a field that isn't always thought of as diverse. In his case, that field is folk music. He's signed to John Prine's Oh Boy label back in 2019. Now he's out with his second album. It's full of reflections on love and fear and mental health, as well as a song called Dixie Red that pays tribute to John Prine, who died last year. And talk to me about Trey Burt. Well, Trey captured my ear uh, a few years ago at Americana Fest here in Nashville. And of course, the first thing I thought, which might be the first thing you thought too, Stephen, it's very surface kind of assessment is, wow, this guy sounds like a young Bob Dylan. (laughs) 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 To state the obvious. Well, that's a somewhat reductive, quite reductive way to think about folk singer. But it does apply in certain ways. One, Trey is just a master storyteller. Two, he's able to combine really vivid, beautiful imagery uh, with really sharp social commentary. The political songs on this record are, are very powerful. And three, he is, you know, narrating the saga of his own life in a way that almost like veers into myth sometimes. But he's doing mm-hmm. all of that with a with a very kind of gen XYZ sensibility. I think it's very 21st century music, even though uh, it's classic folk in its sound. There have been generation upon generation of next Bob Dylans. And you hear hear the traces not only of Dylan's voice, but of other next Dylans. You hear traces of like Jeff Tweedy from Wilco. You hear the tallest man on earth, like people who were the next Dylan of 10, 20, 30 years ago, kind of all feeding into this guy's sound. And there's just real warmth to his voice. And he's working with just dynamite collaborators. His label mate, Kelsey Walden, is on this record. She's so great. Uh, Amelia Randall Meath from Sylvan Esso, who's just everywhere right now. Uh, just really enjoyed kind of just sinking into this very homey record, but a, a record that really has a lot of, of thought and ideas behind it. Yeah, it sneaks up on you, doesn't it, yeah. Stephen? I mean, the, a song like By the Jasmine, which is, a you know, part of the growing kind of oeuvre of songs uh, written, at, you know, in the wake of the movement for Black Lives. The way Trey tells the story of a young man losing his life to police violence is unique because it is so spare. It is so measured. You know, he is that quiet guy in the corner who, when you finally talk to him at the party, tells you the thing you never forget. I feel like that's what Trey's songs are like, and and that is a a venerable space to occupy in folk or or in any form, and I really, I, I plan to follow him for a good long time. Yeah, that's Trey Burt and his new album, You. Yeah, you. And thanks so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. We still have more records that we want to play for New Music Friday, but first, let's take a quick break. This message comes from our 2021 lead sponsor of NPR Music, State Farm. To celebrate their surprisingly great rates, State Farm invites you to discover the surprisingly great genre, Boston hip-hop. It's not just your everyday hip-hop with a thick Boston accent. Boston hip-hop is known for its gritty beat, DIY stages, and underground music scene. It actually got its start at Harvard and MIT's radio stations. This beat's got brains and beauty. Make sure to check out Boston hip-hop, then check out State Farm's surprisingly great rates. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This message comes from NPR sponsor Capital One. Ready for a new ride, but not sure where to start? Try the tool designed to make car shopping and financing easier. With Capital One Auto Navigator, you can find a car and get pre-qualified instantly. 
Then see your real rate and monthly payment without impacting your credit score. It's so simple, you might feel like you're taking the easy way out. That's because you are. Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms and conditions apply. Find out more at CapitalOne.com slash Autonavigator. It's New Music Friday from NPR and All Songs Considered. I'm Stephen Thompson, and we are looking at some of the best new albums out on August 27th. Let's kick off the second half of our show with the rapper Grip. Grip has a new album called I Died For This. I want the lots, money, power, respect, need a check, what a guap, niggas think they next, I'm at they next, on they top, on they sneak, is it grip, oh no, I don't boss, keep a pole for the ops, I want the lots, money, power, respect, need a check, what a guap, niggas think they next, I'm at they next, on they top, on they sneak, is it grip, oh no, I don't Mattresses, now I be having it. Wreaking havoc on any nigga acting like it's a static. Don't care what your status is. Statistician, I'm good with no numbers, but I ain't adding up no hooks or no jumpers or triple doubles. Niggas tripping, I'm doubling and tripling dubs and fifties and hundreds. That's The Locks by Grip from his new album, I Died For This. It's the Atlanta rapper's first album for Eminem's Shady Records label, so it's no surprise that Eminem is among the album's guests, alongside Royce to 59 Wiley from Atlanta, Dead Cassettes, Tate228, and others. Joining me to talk about Grip is writer Christina Lee. Hey, Christina. Hey, Steven. It's great to have you. So Grip first kind of broke out in 2018 with an album called Porch. That helped him get a deal with Eminem's label. And here we are. Christina, talk to me about Grip. When you expect something of a label debut like this, you kind of expect there to be a lot of optimism and just like excitement for what lies ahead. What I think separates Grip from the rest of the pack is that he's thinking about the long journey it's taken to even get to this point. So he already sounds world weary. He already sounds tired. And he basically opens up about the moment where he almost gave up on rap literally before Mm -hmm. Eminem came a call in. There is that weariness to it, but there is also a sense of, like, really bringing it. This is an album that's almost an hour long. It's full of features, but his personality is still really coming through. To me, like, you can tell the amount of commitment that goes into this record and how excited the people involved are about this record from how much Eminem brings to his feature in the song (laughs) Walkthrough. You can tell that Eminem is not phoning it in. Over here in Atlanta, we've been really excited about Grip since Porch, uh, precisely because of the amount of effort that he puts into this work. So Grip has always done work that's been like pretty conceptual, has this long overarching narrative. And I don't know if it's coincidental, but I feel like I died for this sort of models itself after the Eminem show from way back in 2002. Mm. Both of these albums open with the sounds of like audience murmuring, and then it sort of meditates on the pressures of being a performer, especially when there is so much at stake. You know, Grip is sort of ruminating on whether all the sacrifice he's had up until this point has really been worth the effort. You know, that's what makes this such a compelling lesson for me. Yeah, that's I Died for This. There's There's a question mark and an exclamation point by Grip. Christina, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Next up, we've got the singer-songwriter Indigo D'Souza. Indigo D'Souza has a new album called Any Shape You Take. I'm looking for a way out, a way out, a way. 
That's Way Out from Indigo D'Souza and her new album, Any Shape You Take. She's a singer-songwriter from rural North Carolina. Joining me to talk about Indigo D'Souza is my NPR music colleague, Marissa LaRusso. Hey, Marissa. Hey, Stephen. Hey, it's great to have you. So, Marissa, the title of this record, Any Shape You Take, kind of feels like a mission statement. She writes about coming to terms with yourself and the people around you, figuring out who you are, finding acceptance. And musically, she's kind of a shapeshifter, too. Totally. You know, I think like the basis of this album is maybe you could describe it as like a grunge pop sound, but she writes these super memorable, great melodies. And then, yeah, like you said, the album goes through a range of sounds. There's auto-tune pop on here. There's some like moody indie rock. There's also a moment of sound collage with a ton of different people screaming their heads off. (laughs) Screaming, yeah. (laughs) And then emotionally, it's a journey too. I feel like she really just brings you into her world and shows you around. Like there's love, there's heartbreak, there's closeness, there's distance. I love that there's a lot of romance on this album, but then there's also celebrations of community and friendship too. Yeah, I mean, I just am really struck by how much is going on in the span of one album. I mean, there's a quote from Indigo D'Souza where she says, the album title, Any Shape You Take, is a nod to the many shapes I take musically. I don't feel that I fully embody any particular genre. All of the music just comes from the universe that is my ever-shifting brain slash heart slash world. And that is exactly what this record sounds like. You alluded to some of the different sounds at work here. It kind of opens with this like kind of auto-tune-y song and it drifts through kind of dreamy pop into grungy rock. And yeah, that song Real Pain where she crowdsourced fans screaming Mm -hmm. and then like worked them together to form this really cathartic moment. There's just a ton going on here. Yeah, there's so much intensity in these songs, but I feel like there's also such a wisdom. Like, I just hear so much empathy and so many calls for self-love and self-acceptance in these lyrics, which, yeah, just strikes me as really wise and powerful. That's Any Shape You Take by Indigo D'Souza. Marissa, thank you so much. Thank you. Next up, we've got the trumpeter and composer Terrence Blanchard. Terrence Blanchard has a new album called Absence. That's The Elders from Terrence Blanchard's new album, Absence. It's a tribute to the legendary jazz saxophonist Wayne Shorter that mixes a few of Shorter's classics, including the tune we just heard, with originals inspired by and dedicated to the 87-year-old jazz legend. Joining us to talk about Terrence Blanchard is my pal, Nate Chenen, from Jazz Night in America and WBGO in Boston. Hey, Nate. Hey there. It is great to have you, Nate. When I think of Terrence Blanchard, I immediately think of movies. He's like Spike Lee's go-to composer. Uh, And I think of that kind of cinematic sound. Here he's working with an incredible assortment of players in jazz and classical music. Tell me about Absence. You know, I, I see this album as in one way a breakthrough and in another way it's really just kind of an accurate reflection of where he is now. He's long had this kind of bifurcated sonic identity. You know, he's a an incredible jazz trumpet player who, you know, came up exactly 
at the same time as Wynton Marsalis, but has followed this, you know, this much more hybridist approach. Mm-hmm. And with his working band, the E-Collective, you know, he, he really favors this kind of almost like funk and fusion-oriented sound. Very aggressive, very punchy. And then at the same time, as you noted, he's this celebrated film composer who often works with strings. And he's actually about to become the very first black composer ever to be featured uh, in the Metropolitan Opera. He's, he's opening yeah. the Met Opera's fall season. And so he's had these two lives, right? And on this album, I really feel like more directly than I've ever heard before, he's converging all of that. You hear beautiful writing for strings on this album, mm-hmm. and you also hear some pretty intense group interplay. I think that Wayne Shorter is, is an appropriate totem for him because Wayne is another one of those people who has never... He's never settled for any box, you know. He's right. he's like what I do is it crosses all, you know, all boundaries, all borders. And that's a, a an appropriate lodestar here. I think this music is similarly beyond classification. And you mentioned strings. He's working here with among other artists the Turtle Island Quartet, which is this very long-running, very sonically expansive string group. They played the Tiny Desk about a decade ago and were amazing. Mm. And so you have like you said that mix of kind of a traditional jazz sound with elements of classical music and other sounds. Absolutely. And you know, crucially, Turtle Island, they're string players who are not terrified by the prospect of improvising, you know? And there's more and more of those kinds of musicians all the time, you know, um, people who come up in the classical tradition who really have a handle on how to improvise both individually and as a as an ensemble. And you can just sense in this that that Terence is saying, "Yes, these are my people," you know? Um, <laughs> I can employ them exactly the same way that I employ my jazz group. So you don't get the sense that sometimes creeps in uh, in a project like this, where the the jazz rhythm section is doing one thing on one side of the room mm. and the string quartet is doing another thing on the other side of the room and let's just kind of mash them together. That's really not what's happening here. It's fully integrated. It's all breathing together. It has that beautiful kind of moonlit, poignant, emotional sound that Terrence Blanchard is known for, you know, that he he brings to so many of his soundtracks for Spike Lee. You know, this yeah. this like... Deeply human, strong, but vulnerable character that so often shines in his work. It's it's really present here. Yeah, that's Absence, the new album from Terrence Blanchard. Nate, I'm going to ask you to stick around for a minute. We've got one more great record to get to on this week's New Music Friday. Before that, I want to do a quick lightning round with more recommendations from among the very many new albums coming out this week. First off, one of the biggest pop records of the season is from singer Halsey. She's been all over the radio for years now. Her potent new set of bangers was produced by Trent Reznor. It's heavily inspired by the experience of pregnancy and childbirth, and it's got a great title. It is called, If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power. Speaking of powerhouses in a packed release week, there's a new album from Big Red Machine. Bob Boylan played a song of theirs on the show recently. It's an excellent record full of big names 
Aaron Dessner from The National, Justin Vernon from Bon Iver. They formed the heart of the band. The new record features guests like Anais Mitchell from Hadestown, plus folks like Fleet Foxes, and a couple of songs with an up-and-comer by the name of Taylor Swift. It is a beautiful record. It's called How Long Do You Think It's Gonna Last? The prolific guitarist Steve Gunn has an impressive background as an improviser and a collaborator. His works can be experimental, rustic, psychedelic, gorgeous. He's got a new album out today called Other You. Speaking of wonderful, brilliant, prolific guitarists, two more of the best in the business have a new album out today. Marissa Anderson and William Tyler have each made beautiful guitar-based records separately. Now they have one they recorded together that's called Lost Futures. For more than 20 years, the producer Kevin Martin has been pushing boundaries in his own intense, noisy, surprising music. He's best known for his work as The Bug, and The Bug's first album in seven years features vocal contributions from the likes of More Mother and Floden. Very potent record. That album is appropriately called Fire. If you're looking for something far mellower than The Bug, I highly recommend spending time with the French musician and composer Jan Tiersen. He's been making beautiful music for decades now, still probably best known for the works that form the soundtrack to the film Amelie. His new album is a beautiful, largely electronic record called Kerber. It's based on his life on a remote island in France. If you are a fan of the TV show Parks and Recreation, you remember Andy Dwyer's band Mouse Rat, wherein Chris Pratt sang songs like Sex Hair and Bye Bye Lil Sebastian. Now we are getting an actual official recording by Mouse Rat out today. It's called The Awesome Album. The singer-songwriter Ramona Gonzalez makes spare, chilled-out electronic pop under the name Night Jewel. Her new record chronicles the aftermath of a divorce and songs that are dreamy and reflective but never sacrifice their edge. That album, her first in four years, is called No Sun, a great genre-smashing blues rock album to recommend. The Memphis band Southern Avenue is a favorite of our own Julie Height. Their new record is called Be the Love You Want. And finally, it is a packed week for jazz, as our pal Nate Chinen can attest. In addition to the Terrence Blanchard record and the last album we're covering on this week's show, Nate wants to be sure you check out Carlos Henriquez. He's a bassist and composer whose music mixes jazz and Afro-Latin traditions on his new album, The South Bronx Story. And there's a terrific new record by the veteran alto saxophonist Kenny Garrett. It's an expansive celebration of Detroit and other places from around the world that have influenced him throughout his life. That record is called Sounds from the Ancestors. All those albums are out today, August 27th. And a reminder, as always, bookmark the Now Playing blog at NPR Music. That is packed with great song recommendations that'll help you stay caught up on all this incredible new music. We've got one last album on this week's show. The Andrew Cyril Quartet has a new record called The News.
That's Go Happy Lucky from the Andrew Cyril Quartet. Andrew Cyril has been working as a drummer in improvisational jazz for ages. His credits date back more than 60 years, 50 of them spent as a band leader. He leads the Andrew Cyril Quartet with the great guitarist Bill Frisell, David Vareas on piano, and Ben Street on double bass. Nate, tell me more about the Andrew Cyril Quartet and this moody, lovely, atmospheric record. You said it right. Andrew Cyril is a master drummer. Um, he played with Cecil Taylor. He played, you know, he's, he's done so much work. Coleman Hawkins. Yeah. You know, it's the most inside and the most outside of playing that you can imagine. And he's been a, a, you know, an icon of the avant-garde, you know, someone who really understood that rhythm isn't about sort of metrical timekeeping, you know, it, it's, Mm -hmm. it's like the rhythms of life. Rhythm can breathe. And he brings that sensibility to this ensemble, which um, released its first album, The Declaration of Musical Independence, back in 2016. Now, there's one crucial change here, which is that uh, the pianist and uh, synthesizer player on that album, Richard Teitelbaum, fell sick before they were able to make this album. Um, And he actually passed away last year. Uh, Stepping in is the wonderful Cuban pianist David Vareas. I mean, he does incredible work on this record. I should mention the other two members of the band who are the eminent guitarist Bill Frizzell and the brilliant rock-solid bass player Ben Street. And so here you have this band that is intensely lyrical and beautiful, but also uh, fully adept with, like, the mystery <laughs> quotient. You know, like, they, they know how to dial up the intrigue and to do something that is not only lovely on the surface, but that also has, like fathomless layers beneath that surface. Uh, And so it's a really organic and really exploratory sound. Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting because he has this like very, very long background in the avant-garde as an experimentalist, but that experimentalism and even those avant-garde qualities are mixed with such a deft kind of smoothness. Mm. There's this calming quality to this music that it's a beautiful way to start your weekend. And so like as arty as it is and as exploratory as it is, it's also just very, very soothing and fluid in such a remarkable way. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think a lot of that can be credited to the presence of Bill Frizzell. He had yeah. this really deep and longstanding relationship with another master drummer, Paul Motion, uh, the late mm-hmm. Paul Motion. So I think it's no surprise Motion and, and Andrew Cyril being um, sort of brothers in this idea of this kind of flowing ethereal pulse, you know, and and also like never doing the obvious thing, never stating things outright. So Frizzell falls really easily into a rapport uh, with Andrew Cyril. I feel like there's a conversation that they were able to start in the middle of the sentence, you know? Um, And so to a large extent, the sound of this quartet for me boils down to the bond that those two musicians have articulated and the common ground that they find together. Yeah, it's a beautiful record. That's the news from the Andrew Cyril Quartet. That will do it for New Music Friday. Thanks so much for joining me, Nate. My pleasure. Thank you, Stephen. If you want to hear all the music we featured on this week's show, along with a bunch of other great new music out today, we've got expanded playlists in Apple Music and on Spotify. Search for NPR's New Music Friday playlist in either of those apps. And a reminder, as always, to sign up for our weekly newsletter. It's put together by the splendid Marissa LaRusso and Lindsay McKenna. To subscribe, go to npr.org slash music newsletter. You can follow us on Twitter at NPR Music. You can find me at I Dislike Stephen. You can find our guest 
Gavin Godfrey at Write Gavin Write. Julie Height is at Write by Her Roots. And Christina Lee is at Mina Ann Lee. Marissa LaRusso is at MRSSLRSS. Ann Powers is at Ann K. Powers. And Nate Chinen is at Nate Chinen. This week's show has been produced and edited by Bob Boylan and Ron Scalzo from NPR Music and All Songs Considered. I'm Stephen Thompson, encouraging you to be well, take a break, and treat yourself to lots of great music.